see so, what happens. I was just going to ask you a question, David, which is, is, is why, why should we listen to customers? I mean, should, should we listen to them? Are the customers always right? Should we ignore them? That's, everybody says, that's a very good question, don't they? So we'll, we'll, uh, the answer is yes, uh, and, uh, but, but it is qualified. Uh, and so, yeah, of, of course one should listen to customers. Um, business always has, really, uh, basically from the simple premise that it's a pretty good idea when you are doing anything, you know, whether you're selling a product, a service, whatever you're selling, to actually have in mind an idea of a customer uh, and what the customer wants and try and satisfy that need because uh, anything else is really risks just being a hobby. So, well, yeah, listen to the customer. Okay, so if you do, if you were um, a startup, how do you go about that that process? Do you are you are you advocating that you envisage or imagine a a, a customer, or what? Are there any particular challenges you think for us? Yeah, well, it, frankly, it depends. It depends what you're doing, uh, because the, I should have said earlier, perhaps, that the the, the idea that the, and, and the instruction, if you like, to listen to customers is qualified. It's not always the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's, there's a very famous piece by Steve Jobs. Uh, that, that's Walter Isaacson, who wrote um, all about Steve Jobs and knew him intimately and, and uh, in a big article in the uh, Harvard Business Review, uh, quoted, in fact, I, that's quite coincidentally, I can tell you. Here it is. I've got it. I've got it. Oh, you got it. What? Yeah. So this is this is interesting. This is uh, yeah Walter Isaacson writing in uh, Harvard right. Business Review some time ago, and he said when Jobs took his original Macintosh team on its first retreat, one member asked whether they should do some market research to see what customers wanted. No, Jobs replied because customers don't know what they want until we've shown them. He invoked Henry Ford's line, if I'd asked the customers what they wanted, they would have told me a faster, a faster horse. And he goes on to say, caring deeply about what customers want is much different from continually asking them what they want. It requires intuition and instinct about desires that have not yet formed. So, I think that's often the case. The whole point of this goes to the heart of, of, of capitalism as we've operated it, really, which is that it's largely been, uh, or, or the strength of it, one of the huge strengths of it is it's been, it, it, it's a perfect basis for entrepreneurialism. And entrepreneurialism does not, often doesn't mean just doing what you think customers want or what you know customers want. So you've got two, this is the problem, it, it's not clear cut. There are other situations where you may be developing a product or service, and actually it would make eminent sense to go out and find you know, half a dozen, a dozen people that you think might be in your target area and go talk to them. Mm. Uh, the, the, the trick from suggested from the past and from, from people like Jobs and others is you don't go and ask them, do you want this thing? 
that uh-huh. I would want to make, yeah. you talk around it. You're talking yeah. about that area and, and things that they would like. I think that's the difference. Yeah, well, that's a, I, I remembered working for a client and where they had done exactly that, made that exact mistake, where they had uh, they had designed a particular product. I can't, we can't name it, obviously, but, but they had, had designed a financial services product and gone out to particular uh, type of, of people and said, well, here it is, you know, w- 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 will, you, will you buy it? And, of course, they said yes. And the company then invested, I think, best part, £2 million in, in, in the creation of this product. Then when they took it out to market, guess what? <laughs> this is this is this is so it's extraordinary isn't it now this you hear lots of stories about this this is an oh you know oh dear you know yeah you people spending fortunes on doing things and then finding in the belief because customers they thought had told them this was oh it's my heart's desire it's exactly what i want give me that and i'll i'll be yours for life no doesn't help that way. Okay, so how do we? Uh, oh, sorry, let me just just ask you back. You, me- you mentioned you mentioned a faster a faster horse and stuff, and that's that's a comment that's uh, or a quote that's often used, but that's not quite correct, is it? That, that Ford said it. Well, no, it, it is true. No, Ford apparently Henry Ford didn't say it. Uh, apparently, uh, but it, it was it's so good. And so nice that Henry Ford Jr. years later said, my father was supposed to have said this, but he didn't. But I still think it's good anyway, so I'm going to say it. So it, so <laughs> so it sort it was, of came... So it was said by a Ford. So it was okay. said by a Ford, yes. It was but, said by a Ford. But not, not the old man. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's intriguing. Uh, and, you know, there are lots of examples of, of that kind of, of, of development and thinking. Uh, and it, it, I suppose, in a way, it goes back, not least, to the the other. If we're talking about famous lines, you know, the famous line by Ralph Waldo Emerson, mm. that some, to the effect that if if you build a better mousetrap, even though you live in the middle of a forest, in a way, the world will beat a path to your door, uh, and. That has been long since disproven. You know, it, it just doesn't oh, happen. Absolutely. We can absolutely say it didn't happen because we own the world's greatest mousetrap.com. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. So we, we bought that domain bought uh, 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 years ago to, to actually demonstrate that this exact. Uh, uh, this exact uh, uh, yeah. And nobody's bought a damn thing from it. Nobody's bought, <laughs> no, no visitors <laughs> because I mean this is something which we call a, a the a, well we call it PSD with a problem solution disconnect, which is where customers or so where a company um, markets to the solution which they've developed so the, the world's greatest mousetrap, and there's a disconnect because the customer is actually looking for. How do I get rid of mice? They don't right. know that the uh, the WGMT twenty twenty one or whatever product brand name a company might you want to want to call it is the actual solution to their problem. So this is particularly killing when we're looking at digital products because the intermediary there is is a search engine and the search engine takes words such as mousetrap. 
and how do I get rid of mice and turns them into numbers. And that's the mm. only way. So there isn't, a, there isn't that kind of semantic thing of understanding that or making that leap. And I guess that's another thing that you, we often see is, 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 the, is, is the making that leap between what we say is, the, is, is our solution and, and it's solving the customer's problem. I mean, you see it all the time. And I think in law firms, when we've done law firms, you'll see that they say, you know, that they are partners in a law firm or that they, they've won some award. And of course, I don't know, I've never met anybody who has typed in that they're looking for a partner at a law firm. They exactly. might be looking for exactly. the best, you know, or litigation, or I want a best, you know, I want a best divorce lawyer, or I want to sue this person, or that's what they're looking for. So that's the problem as they see it. Precisely so. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's a, we often come across that, don't we? That, you know, if you if you ask, you know, a bunch of really highly educated, uh, intelligent lawyers, uh, what's so special about their firm? They'll often say, "Oh, we've got the best. What well, you've got the best lawyers?" You know, well, why would I believe that? And why? You know, no law firm is going to say, oh, we've got, you know, the second class lawyers. <laughs> you know, we're the rubbish lawyers. It, it just doesn't go. But this whole conversation, this whole thing goes to the point of really the core of, of what we do at Value Genie in all of the things that we do, which is a consideration of customer value. Mm. And, you know, you, what you've just nicely explained there is the difference between once upon a time selling a product or a service itself, in and of itself, the intrinsic value of the product, uh, then move, moving on to the next stage of sophistication, which was to sell a solution, which at least paid some credence to the customer's particular needs, personalized need. And where we are now in a lot of situations, and particularly in the digital, any digital scenario is selling an outcome. So as you, as you said, you know, the, the product may be the mousetrap. Uh, the outcome desired is I want to get rid of the mice. Uh, it, it's a different it, way it, of looking at it. It, it is. And, of course, that we, particularly when a, when a company is looking to, for, for digital marketing, of course, you, you're looking not just – the customer won't just be looking at how do I get rid of mice. There will be a subset of people who have, who have other concerns, emotional or other needs. So how do I – humanely get rid of mice yes so that's, yes, uh, that's absolutely. a separate thing yeah. which of course we have to bear in mind when we're looking at uh, creating messaging or or, or uh, and and keywords uh, strategy for s for search engine optimization so there's a subset of emotional needs or or, or 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 customer value or desire that they want around that the problem as they see it Absolutely. And of course, the more we're now in a, in a hugely mature situation in terms of products and, and availability of services and all sorts of things. And with all of the digital overlay put on that, uh, then the, the, the precision, the, the ability to, to, more, to more greatly personalize a product comes in. So this, the consideration of things like Emotional drivers, you know, a humane mousetrap, uh, and things like that is is more important, ever more important. But how do we? Okay, so so you we've got this understanding that it's more nuanced than just we've we've got to we've got to look at the uh, the problem 
are not the, not necessarily the solution. How do we go about finding out what those needs and customer values are? Well, we, some of them are. Yeah, it, it's a very important point. How do we how do we determine customer needs? I think the best way to, to one way to understand that anyway is to go back and think about where this all began. Mm-hmm. And it all began with products being made. You know, so, you know, in the industrial revolution. If you go back there, it goes back to the beginning of time, of course, because people have yeah. always flogged stuff. Uh, and, and traded stuff, but um, you know, let's let's just think about it from the time when there was this huge proliferation of products coming out of the industrial revolution, and for so suddenly you you had availability of all manner of things. You you had available you know yeah. um, clothes on a scale that you didn't have before. Fabrics, cotton, you know, cotton was a big thing in the beginning and the importance of, of as one of a british historian gm young wrote in in a very famous essay in, in I, I think around 1936 uh, talked about the fact that the arrival of products uh, on at scale wasn't just products for the sake of it but they were providing social benefits as well the fact that you had a much greater availability of, for example, cotton clothing, was actually did a lot for hygiene mm-hmm. uh, because people could could wear well. the, the the fact that you could get heating, kerosene heating, and things of that kind did a lot to uh, to, to help health generally because people could keep warm and safer and the same with lighting lighting did actually prevent crime in fact in the very early day in the 19th century there was talk of what they were going to do to solve crime was to put much more uh, lighting public lighting in places where there were known uh, criminals <laughs> you'd illuminate the criminals so yeah and you particularly if you go back to um, Henry Mayhew and, and the lives of the London poor, you know, this is this. He talks about this and he talks about this in specific areas of London. So if you were going then to places like they're called Seven Dials and things like that, this was the plan was if we light all this up bright as day, it'll stop the crime. As if the criminals didn't go anywhere to do that crime. They only did it on their own doorsteps. But there we are. It was a nice idea. So that was the beginning. Products products provided a lot of social benefits along the way, but that wasn't spoken about because nobody was thinking about that directly. They were more thinking about the products themselves. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, then the issue becomes as you get more and more products and more and more sophistication in the products, then you have to start to think of other ways to communicate uh, the benefits, which is where we get up this um, hierarchy, if you like, of product solution outcome. Uh, uh, and it moves in that way. The, co- the complexity, though, when you're selling goods and services is that we don't always, having said that, you know, you've got to think of outcomes, we don't always want outcomes. Sometimes we just want to buy something, a product. I just want it. I don't want to know anything more about it. Just I'll buy the product. What's the price? Bang, bang. Uh, so 
that yeah. I think is the complexity of now. Okay, so that so there's a potential pitfall then if 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 you're a car, if you're a business that thinks then you must have a relationship with 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 the customer. Yeah, this oh yeah. God, this is the really tricky one now because. Um, I suppose in one sense, you do need to have a relationship with the customer always in the sense that uh, whatever you're selling and under whatever circumstances you're selling, the environment in which you're selling it now is a digital environment. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, there is a need to build relationship across the the, the, the digital tools, if you like, that you're doing because your, your customers will all be using social media, uh, they'll be accessing stuff online and so on and so forth. So you do need to do that. But you, this, I think, is where the, the whole thing about customer centricity, which is a big yeah. issue these days, everybody talks about it all of the time. They talk about customer centricity, though, as though it's one thing. Mm -hmm. And as if the, that not only that it's one thing, but that one thing is obvious. Yeah. And, you know, you, there's no need to sort of discuss what is it, you know. Um, and but, that, that's when it, but that's when it falls down if you say, well, what is it? Exactly. You know, because it, we, our conversation so far uh, has hinted at the fact that there are different shades of this. And people, if you're, even if you're talking about relationships with customers, then they want different relationships, if you can call it that, uh, depending on what they're buying, when they're buying it, uh, and they can they can change their minds from yeah. one second to the next almost. Well, I mean, how many? I, I had a look at my wallet the other day, and I had ten loyalty cards, and I, I don't really know what yeah. that what that means about me. Quite <laughs> well, <laughs> no, quite. It, it, you know, oh, you are a fickle creature. It, it's no loyalty card. Well, the the loyalty thing, of course, is a whole other issue. But it's just the reality then of of of, of the fact that the, the, you don't own a customer. Customers can be can be fickle. Yeah, yeah. Well, it it plays ultimately the fact that uh, there's some you know famous work done by uh, Professor Stephen Vargo and and chums uh, over the noughties and into the 2010s. Uh, where he beautifully articulated the idea of value in exchange, which is yeah. product. You know, here's a motor car, there's a price ticket on top, and I make a decision based on look at car, look at price ticket, I'll go, yeah, or, you know, I'll pay 10% less and buy it, you know, uh, or whatever. So that's value in exchange. And then he talked about uh, value in use. Uh, actually, this goes right back to Adam Smith, but still, you know, he right. brought it brought it up today. So, value in use is: Am I going to get what I need out of that? So, buying the car, yeah. um, you know, am I going to get the value I need? Will I use it right? Will it will it do something for me as a person? You know, will driving this flashy motor make me? Uh, well, I suppose that's that's you'll see a difference then. Obviously, that comes to bear in how we in how. If you look at history and you look at how how you, you would market that product and what the messages you would you might originally talk about the 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 number of uh, of CCs or, or the talk or particular yeah. technical yeah. things, where well, instead instead uh, coming up with a poster of you with your hair, 
driving, yes. driving yes, wandering exactly. wild, what, what have you, which is obviously a different, a, a, a different, a, a different set of ideas. Yes, completely. No, that's absolutely right. That's that's a good way of looking at it. Uh, and then you come to today, and it it's we are just going into a period when uh, the whole thing is going to get. Ten times, a hundred times, a thousand times more complicated and, and more sophisticated in a way because we're just at the beginning. We, we think we've gone digital. And we have, you know, digital started mid-20th century or whenever it was. And, uh, you know, we've, we've had computers and we've had, you know, phones, uh, which are supercomputers in our pockets for years now, you know, uh, but remember, the first one only happened in 1979 uh, when a guy walked down the street with the first ever <laughs> mobile phone. Um, nobody to call because nobody else at that point had got a mobile phone. But, um, you know, it, it's new. But, and we think we've gone digital, you know, and, we, and it, we've only just begun. We are about to go into uh, a world which is so removed from that which we have considered to be normal, uh, that it's hard to envision. This was a point made only last week by, um, I can't think of his name, but the head of Microsoft, who said, you know, that, that the, the arrival and, and the use of, of, of uh, sorry, not even the head of Microsoft, they had a Google, beg his pardon, um, that digital, the digital world with AI, running artificial intelligence running fully is the equivalent of the invention of or, or the discovery of fire uh, and of electricity and of the internet all rolled in together right so this is a different different situation altogether and customer value yeah. there mm -hmm. is different actually if you only have to think it about it for a couple of seconds to realize that will change everything or, but does that mean mean that it's absolutely vital, or you know, why should we strive towards this customer centricity? Yeah. Well, I, I would argue that this, in, for the simple reason that not to do so would be fatal right. in in the not too near term. That, that you know any business which hopes to uh, survive, let alone thrive, is going to have to learn to deal with customers but it's got to learn in a, it, it's a very subtle thing going back to what we've already said that you've got a relationship of sorts we call it a relationship but it's well, it's a sort of, a, just because there is this a, yeah a, 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 a binary yeah uh, thing there and, and uh, but it may not be a relationship it may just be um, in, a, in in the real sense uh, but it if if you're if, you, if we hook together more and more goodies in what gets for, you know, the Internet of Things, which is imminently coming and all of that, uh, generally, then one thing all, all hooks together. So right. you've got to have a connectivity with that customer. To un if you're going to understand their precise needs, their outcomes, their, yeah. the things they are trying to achieve in their life, you've got to understand how it's going to fit with that. Yeah, so you need that that kind of I don't know surface area, I suppose, with with the customer. I think we've seen this yes. through the COVID, because 
I think we've seen this phenomenon where businesses um, had maybe for historic reasons had created a customer department, which let's say it's it's the um, customer service department or call center, contact center, which probably it may have may have developed to deal with customer complaints. It may have developed for, for, for a host of other reasons. But then with the COVID situation, that actually became the primary layer of contact between the business mm. and its customers. That's a good point. Yeah, the interface uh, really is there. But uh, and, and really, this is also just the beginning. Right? I think you're right. You, you make the point, yeah, customer contact of that type almost exclusively started out as being, if to make it crudely, the complaints department. Yeah. You know, the only reason you do it, oh, something gone wrong with my whatever, my yeah. widget has packed up, or, um, you know, I'm not satisfied with something for some reason, and I didn't get my refund, all, all that sort of nonsense. Uh, that long since has been really uh, surpassed, hasn't it? And And... Uh, we have, the, that's why they changed it, why we now call it a contact centre uh, rather than, uh, you, know, you know, a, a complaint <laughs> centre or something like that. But where this is all happening, you have to then question where this could go. Uh, and, and it can go quite far in the direction beyond that so that you're, the customer supplier interface mm -hmm. is that area is expanding enormously and uh, it, I think that's something that, that we we talk about a lot we deal with a lot uh, to some extent we try and second guess all, all of the things that are going on there and all the possibilities uh, but increasingly it's it, that's that can only become more and more important and I suppose yeah I think one of the, the issues obviously that we, that we look at is the fact that it's the chat one of the huge challenges is to take that information that's coming across the interface and then how the business deals with it or has to reorganize because if you haven't set the the, the business up to be or, or, or actually maybe you can you can talk on on how you know how how does how do you become customer centric then from that well that's that's an monstrous great topic that's a monstrous question yeah maybe well let's let's break it down there um. so, so 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 but there is a challenge then how do we take that information and and then reorganize the business around yeah. it um i think one has to first of all one of the things we're doing at the moment uh, is trying to articulate, trying to explain, if you like, in, in relatively simple terms, how we got to where we are today. Because by doing that, you can actually see the steps rather more clearly about where we, how we got here, which makes it easier to see the way forward. Back to Henry Ford again. Yeah. Uh, Henry Ford said, you know, the, something about the further you can look back, the further you can look forward, which is quite good, actually. Um, and uh, I, I think is 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 a very uh, true statement. So, looking back to look forward, we can see the layers of connectivity, so to speak, in using the term generally between customers and and their suppliers. Uh, and 
that where it's going from here, which which is to bring us right in, you know, up to date and into the 2020s, 2030s, in a, in a much more mature digital world, is one where it really is absolutely necessary to maintain the customer contact on a much more personal basis. Because if you are putting more and more services, I think, into a circuit of, of a provision for a customer, then it is necessary to uh, understand that before you offer something else. How can you otherwise? You know, now, a, a lot of the a lot of this people say is based on data, right? Uh, and data comes in by the ocean, you know, boom. the data lakes, yeah, the data the oceans that are the sort of washing around, and how you interpret that and you know that's all coming in and there are there are two issues there i think i would suggest anyway what one is that the uh data coming in uh has you can interpret it to an extent and increasingly we will find artificial intelligence that can interpret it very very well no doubt but it's still it's hard to see hard to conceive of a situation where we get so good with all of that, that there isn't some benefit in actually talking to the customer at some point, real talk. Well, that's what Value Genie calls AI, isn't it? Our actual intelligence. Of actual speaking, intelligence. Actual good, intelligence yes. of speaking, yes. speaking, uh, speaking to, the, uh, the yeah. to the customer. Because, you know, so much stuff we, we understand and we get to uh, that we don't think through in a, in a particularly rational sense. And, uh, the best way to find that out, yeah, AI is good and AI will get better, but talking to someone is actually the best way to find a lot. The other re- person is personal thing. The reason I, I, another reason for the benefit of that is the fact that uh, AI, um, the development of AI and the, and the growth of data gathering is a bit of a black art. And we are seeing that, you know, from from the social media and from other sources, that there is some kickback already, quite right, I think, in my opinion, against so much information being grabbed from people. It's their information, and it's just being harvested as though it's yeah. a, a free resource. Uh, I think, apart from anything else, it's only polite to talk to people if you if you want to have a real relationship with them, you know. Um, so, you know, but this is this is a whole a very large area. Uh, and and uh, see what we see where it's going, and it's very fundamental to the shift in uh, customer centricity. Uh, it, it, it's customer centricity of, of 2025 will be very different to the customer centricity of 2005 or and going, you know, and, and anything previous. So, in, 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 do you mean more comprehensive? I mean, at the moment, I just get the feeling that there's quite a lot of companies and businesses out there that understand the need to uh, have that, that better interface with the customers and uh, and, and uh, say they're listening to the customers and being customer centric, but 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 they probably aren't. They're just that's very true. That's true. Absolutely true. Yes, the, the, 
the idea that, oh, we're customer-centric. This is the, again, this comes back to that, that almost starter problem that, that we started with, which is that people have a view, you know, oh, customer-centricity, fine. And they don't think any further than that. They just think, oh, it's so obvious what, what customer-centricity is. Uh, but it isn't. Uh, so it is, it, it's necessary to pin down to some extent where you are in the customer centricity maturity uh, model, so to speak, uh, you know, going from product to solution to outcome and beyond that, uh, so that you can actually uh, identify things better. Uh, and, and that's into the very mature phase of, of, of the new digital world. And it is a new world. It really is. So how do you assess then, if you're a business, how do you assess where you are then within that? Well, we're doing work on that. Uh, so I guess a good way to start is to, to look at our training materials. And, and, you would uh, say that, wouldn't you? you would I would, yourself. of course. Would I would. Of course, but it genuinely is a good way to um, make that initial assessment and a decision about where you want to be, really, in this whole, whole business um, uh, uh, going, going forward. Um, yeah, so... We can we can go into that. That is a you know, I, I've just to pause for a minute with you and you and me talking. Um, I'm not quite what not that it matters necessarily, but I, we we should have set down a list of points we want to make, shouldn't we? Really, to start, I suppose, perhaps. Not really. I didn't want that. No? I know I, I didn't want that. I didn't. I, I wanted it not. Just I wanted a, it to be. Okay. I wanted it to be a series of conversations, and if stuff great comes out and uh, things, oh, okay. then, then fine. Right. I didn't want us to, to think that. I wanted to see fit. We, we might All come right. back and re-record stuff and okay. redo it. You know that, okay. uh, and refine our answers. But that's uh, it's just to see what how if this thing works. If it's if people okay. would find. Well, let's it. try. Let's try it the other way around then, because yeah, on. one thing that comes out of this new customer centricity, if you like, is it, it, we're into a complex area of identification of need and what have you. And we know, do we not, that one of the great primeval methods of, of humanity making sense of things, of the future and all of that, is storytelling. Yeah, and storytelling and archetypes. Yeah. So how do how do we use that? How can will that help us get to a better? Yeah. Point? Well, well, of course. There's well. Recently, we did. We listened to on behalf of one of our customers. Our, our customer. We listened. We, we we spoke to their customer, and in doing so, what we then analysed the, the the language because when you ask someone to tell you about something, they, the format they use is a story. We've been hearing stories since mm -hmm. we were small. So they, 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 you know, people, if you ask someone, they answer, you know, t tell me about your business, they don't show you a spreadsheet. They don't show you graphs. They tell you a story. And that in itself can give us some pointers on how they view characters and relationships. I mean, these are archetypes that, 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 that are deeply wired into, human, into humans. I mean, we've had... We've had over over a hundred thousand years of this technology, and we, we, we consider it to be an info, uh, value genie as an information technology. Um, the storytelling is IT, mm -hmm. 
Right. So what what does it do? Well, I mean, if if we look at these, the, when we listen to the customer, then when we we we're, we're, we're looking at words and particular things which they may say, which then give an indication of 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 these archetypes. So one could consider the that brands have an archetype. So uh, a, 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 archetype, archetype. Yeah, a, well, a, a quick intro to the art. What, what's well, archetype? <laughs> well, the, 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 these are these are universal overarching types so like the outlaw is uh, the magician the superhero oh, oh right so these these are the other types uh, and uh, and uh, there's there's debate as to how many archetypes as t- that, that, that there are that, that, that we see but when we consider brands well i mentioned the outlaw brand well well if we think of outlaw brands then harley davidson jack daniels these are, mm-hmm. these are these are seen as, as as being outlaw brands. They you know that's that's the things that are characterised with them. And of course, they have certain words that are associated with them. So if we look um, at, at what a customer says, and if the customer says says certain things like uh, you know they went above and beyond, um, they anticipated our needs. Uh, the, these are characters uh, characteristics that go along with the archetype of the lover. Now, what could be a problem? Mm-hmm. Is if your brand, which is which we did in one case, we looked at a brand of, of, of particular uh, engineers, and they had thought that they, that they were the sage, so that's like the wisdom, and superheroes, and that's if we looked at their website, then you would see those characteristics that go along words that just, that go along with that archetype, such as such as uh, you know all of our experts have this certification, they have ISO three seven nine five three. All of these particular things, when we actually asked the customer, and the customer in a testimonial letter had said about how much they anticipated their needs, um, was thinking ahead, was looking after them. So the customers then saw them and admired the lover characteristics of that. Okay. So, so those things that those things can help us get on the same page. And there we are, they're using a metaphor. There are people being on the same same page. Mm. Oh, cool. Okay. So archetypes and then story. How then do we expand? How can we use story to investigate this whole area? You you mentioned the, 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 yeah. the customer that we've recently, uh, as, it, as it happens, uh, talked to, which in fact, changed the view of what that business, that's a tech business, its archetype, wasn't it? Yes, because I, th- I think that's, again, uh, to hark back to, to the thing we talked about at the start with the problem-solution disconnect. If the, in this particular case, uh, the, 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 the tech company obviously understands and loves their tech, um, which, is, which is the solution. But... In all of their website and marketing materials and stuff, they hadn't really um, covered the problem or the challenge that the customer faced. So there's a disconnect between the two, and particularly when um, they consider themselves, obviously, with that tech to be almost of a magical quality. So Mm. in the archetype, we might say the magician. I think, think I think the, that uh, it would be fair to say that if you looked and we, we did an archetype analysis of the of the materials and words that they would say that they were superhero sage superhero magicians. Those are the mm-hmm. kind of words that that would uh, you know we could do fantastic things with this wizardry. And then when we go to the customer, the customer says, 
it isn't about the technology at all for them. It was about the people and about a process where the people had a vision, had a plan. So that revealed itself to be another archetype, which was the, the mentor with a plan. And we see this in lots of, you see that this in lots of, uh, you see it in lots of stories. I mean, in, in Star Wars, for instance, if we took Star Wars, Luke is a farm boy. This is a, uh, this is a classic story of, of, of the farm boys called, called to war and he fights against a dark knight to overcome the power of evil. And literally, he, he rescues a princess from a tower. And in this case, it's a, it's, a, it's a Death Star. But on the way, he meets Obi-Wan Kenobi. And Obi-Wan Kenobi is a mentor with a plan, with a plan. And he knows that Luke isn't just a farm boy. He is a Jedi, a Jedi Knight, a Jedi warrior in waiting. And he, yes, you know, he's, he's, he's there to offer him and, and be there along the way to help him fulfill that destiny. So that if we have that particular character within our brand, and that's the customers want, then, then that, that should be reflected in the language we use. We should say that we have a roadmap. And it's, it's the, the kind of language like, you know, we've walked the path. We, we know which pitfalls to avoid to stay out of the swamps. Right. Keep yeah, you know, sure-footed. All those kind of things then become congruent. And they, they, if we use this congruent uh, metaphor and story character, then it's, it's more compelling and it's easily understood. We're basically tapping into something which, is, which people already know and they have an emotional connection to and an understanding and a framework in their mind. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. Where do we go from there? I've, I've dried well, up. That's fine. You can, he's, 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 he's dried up like a desert. I don't know. No, I mean, look, we, we've, we've spoken now for, for, near, for the best part of, of, of an hour. I don't know if we can just, just, just finish with it. We'll do a couple more and then we can finish on mm. this one. Okay. Um, so I don't know what we uh, what we put, what we put that was useful. Let me just think. That's that's in the, in that process. Well, I, I I think if I could, yeah, just try and say I think what we've talked about. I, I'm actually really excited and surprised in a way that I mean I know what we've got. We cover a broad. It, it's there's a paradox because on the one hand we focus very much sharply on customer value, the customer supplier interface. But there is a huge, we, on, you know, on the other side of the coin, we've got this huge breadth of topics, areas, ways that we look at it, ways that we can help people look at it. So I think that comes across, which tells me that, you know, we have ourselves a, a very substantial story to tell. And yeah, I think that's really do it. that's why I wanted to do it in this say start in this format because I think it's um, certainly in the expert business, telling is selling. So so yeah. we're able to kind of show in uh, show the part the, the the pathway. And again, that this is important for for our customers to under, understand is that is that people want help they want they want to see they want to see the way they, they want they want to do things in fact that's another thing 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 that you can that you can look at in messaging uh, if you remember um on maslov's hierarchy of needs in this little pyramid mm -hmm. what's what are, what are the, the bottom levels do you remember well the bottom level is survival isn't yeah, it so really it's, the, just... it's survival so if if we want to to make our our brand or our product a, appealing it, it, it then one 
possible angle to look at it is to connect it to survival in some mm -hmm. in some sense. Um, so that's uh, that's whether it be your social survival within social cred because you don't have this brand or, or uh, that's that's perhaps glib. But but if you look at the the, uh, the your product, usually you find that your product or service does a couple of things which are linked to survival. One is it helps you um, acquire a new resource. You get get access to this new, new new this new pool of learning, this new expertise, this this new this new thing or, or it helps you conserve a resource it stops you wasting time right it saves you energy saves you money so that though so that's particularly an angle that you can that you can look at to, to create some form of uh, say connecting your products or service and the messaging with with survival cool yes that's a good point right right and then going up of course you've got the the more refined outcomes haven't your self-esteem well yeah well then you you could then argue i mean if we sort of talk about harley davidson if we look at harley davidson's catalogs at, at, at the start when 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 motorbikes were a new technology they were all obviously bunched around the same ideas and same things in their marketing messages uh this was a new technology it was seen as it was seen as dangerous um and you'll see Harley Davidson early catalogs say that it's you know the safest ride and I talk about the safety of, of right. the heart of things and that that was a market position a market metaphor of things but, but then um, in time then it emerges when Harley Davidson discovers it's a it's an outlaw brand so nowadays the catalog then or, or, or if you were making a, a, a corporate video for Harley Davidson you wouldn't talk about those features you wouldn't talk about the the the, the the talk and all of the technical specs of the, of yeah. the bike yeah. you would talk about that it's getting out on the road it's feeling the wind through your hair it's the born to be wild which are, are, are towards the act our actualization right right other and other things and obviously that would be it would be, it would be a mistake and but i think we you see it when an emerging in, in an emerging uh, market you see that there is this thing of people not stepping out from the from the crowd and wanting to create their, our own archetype and everybody kind of matching the 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 uh, their metaphor and messaging but that that means it's then there's a the, the, there's an opportunity yeah i mean I, that that's an interesting i find it interesting because uh, i suppose if you're in a new area mm -hmm. new area of technology or a new area of whatever then you're, you are also trying to find the language to express what this thing is. And, and at that point, the customers don't actually know what this well, thing is, do they? Well, so, well, if so, they don't, well, that's a mistake. Obviously, if they don't have a frame of reference, if you say it's the splange grommet and they've never come across a splange grommet, then, 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 then you've got a real problem. Um, of trying to explain explain mm. so so that's why I think particularly story and characterized characters and archetypes things become come in useful because what you want to do is find the model that you can tap into that makes them understand what this of what what right what this right. new thing is and what it what it does right right cool yeah that makes sense and it, it, it occurs to me also that, you know, it brings in the whole other areas to sort of tie back with what we were talking about earlier in a way, uh, is, is that the story gets 
more richer, if you like, uh, in a way as we go forward. So, for example, um, years ago, not many years ago, a product stood on its own as, oh, shall I buy that or shall I not? You know, this, that, and the other. Whether I think it's fair to say that, and we're talking here of a Western mindset, I suppose, but one didn't really think about much else in terms of the virtues or vices of the product itself. Uh, One assumed also the manufacturing and stuff happened on our own territories. So we basically, well, I don't think they're they're still using 10-year-old children in slave conditions to to make this, you know, uh, because I know there are rules against that and so on and so forth. Uh, but as it's broadened, of course, and as we're doing things, you know, there are things like sustainability yeah. and all the other things which are so this does this play to the, the growth, you know, the growth in in uh, in not not just interest, but but in, in importance of things like um sustainability and what have you. Uh and and customers are now be more concerned with the way a company they may be because because there are so many companies making things you can go and look which is the one that is you know most um has least waste or is yeah or is is, is most like most like you or most like your values are i suppose if we look at the white goods market or look at how white goods were bought in the in the in the 50s 60s 70s um i think my mum went along to the electrical board shop or something where she saw a a refrigerator or or, or a cooker and a person, a salesperson had a, I think a one page brochure or something and would explain to her exactly what it was that it did. And and, uh, and I think, whereas what would you do now? You you would Google it. You would look at those reviews. You would look for, you would look to your peer group as well uh, to assess a product. Or, yes. as, as, or as you know, lots of uh, lots of high streets have found to their cost that, that, that a customer will come into like a camera shop and say, oh, this Canon E37359, is that the one that goes bing? And they say, oh, yes, it is. And then they go, great, and then leave. And, leave, oh, yeah. And, and then go, go and buy it online because they know yes. that they're, they're, they're buying that. So, uh, yeah, there's lots of, uh, yeah, that's that's changed. I suppose that what you're going to say about your, your, your product and, and service is you can't control it as much as maybe you could in the, in the era of that electrical board. Right. And all of that, of course, plays to this thing about customer relationship, doesn't it? It, it, it brings you back to a greater bond, potentially, between customer and supplier. Yeah. 